A Pulp MX Network production. Welcome to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show presented by Maxis Tires, Renthal, Motosport.com, and Kuba Links on RacerXOnline.com. With your continued support of our sponsors, we have surpassed 1,700 podcasts delivered with over 17 million downloads. Click that Amazon banner on Pulp MX to help us out. Donate via Patreon if it suits you. And as always, enrich your moto lifestyle by working with the sponsors who support us. Moto Podcast, featuring legends of the past, stars of today, season previews and race reviews, introspection, opinion, facts, and laughs. Here's your host, Steve Mathis. Welcome, everybody, to the Fly Racing Racer X Podcast, presented by the folks at Maxis and Renthal. Thank you for listening. Appreciate it. Good talk ahead with a really good guy. Uh, looking forward to doing this. So thanks, uh, thanks again for listening. Flyracing.com. They've redefined expectations in safety and performance with the Formula Helmet. Tested on the most advanced equipment in the world, the Formula Helmet's overall performance in the, is best in class in both high-velocity crashes as well as the rotational and the low-speed impacts as well. It features the Rion technology, Conad EPS, a 12K carbon shell, the Formula's Advanced Impact System, AIS, introduced a new approach to both protection and weight reduction. I have a Formula, and I love it. It's absolutely great. It's so quiet. It's so light, and it's so well-vented. It's incredible, plus all that safety stuff that I have tested out, unfortunately. And I absolutely love the, the folks at uh, Fly Racing and what they've done with that Formula helmet. Renthal.com. You've all used Renthal bars. Probably our guest here today has used Renthal over the years. The undisputed global leader in manufacturing design since 1969, Renthal has become notorious for relentless obsession to detail and quality through the commitment to produce the finest products on the market today. Whether it's the Fat Bar 36 Bar, they debuted earlier this year, the regular Fat Bar, the Twin Wall, the 7 8 Ball. Renthal.com will have you covered. Uh, sprockets, grips, chains, bars. Uh, they've got everything over there at Renthal.com. They've got more titles than all the competing brands combined. Think about that for a while. Renthal.com, a fraction of a second, a few grams, a couple of millimeters, it all counts. Welcome to the winning world of Renthal. Folks at Maxis are also on board. Great tires, UTV tires, dirt bike tires, mountain bike tires, light truck tires. You've got, you name it, they've got it. Maxis.com for more information. Uh, Alex Ray, Justin Rodbell, crushing it this summer using Maxis tires out there in the Nationals. And uh, really looking forward to everything that those guys have got going on as well at Maxis.com. The Minion mountain bike tires are something that I use out here on the West Coast, and I, I absolutely love them. So thanks to... Uh, Renthal and Maxis, and most especially the Fly Racing guys for making this podcast happen. All right, it's the day after the Pulp Show where this man sat in as a co-host for a long time. I don't know when you're going to be hearing this, but I've got him back in for a longer-form podcast on uh, on all the stuff he's been doing over his career, from pro racing to working for a tire company to uh, developing some Honda CR production bikes. Uh, he's done a lot of stuff. I've known him for over 20 years. It's Rusty Holland. What's up, man? How are you? How's it going? Thanks for coming in. Thanks for having me. Yeah, uh, we touched on a little bit on Pulp Show stuff, So, but you and what you've been doing, you deserve a longer form podcast, Russ. Well, so. I don't know about that, but thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, working for Who's Your Tires now. Um, been doing that about a year or so, right, you yep. said? Uh, yep. Yeah, so when Who's Your first came on the market, you're like, sprint sprint car tires? Like, what's like? But, dude, the feedback from the Who's Your uh, Club MX used them. 
Uh, they did really well at the races. Uh, everybody seems to like them. So for the first time producing motocross tires, the guys at Hoosier have done a good job. So what's your, what's your deal with them, and what do you do? Yeah, so uh, basically I, I work for Hoosier Tire West, so uh, I attend a lot of the races, um, different type of venues, motocross, and we were involved with the work series this year. So uh, just getting to know uh, how the, a lot of the different product work in the tires, like the bib mooses and the tubeless systems. But uh, we've had a lot of p- positive feedback from people that have tried them. And uh, sometimes they don't really notice how good they are until they go back to what they're riding, and mm-hmm. then all of a sudden it kind of is an eye-opener. Yeah. So for you, how do you like the gig? Like you're going to the races, you're repping them. I saw you at the World Vets. You went to the works race. Uh, how do you like your job? How, how, how do you like it? Real good. Yeah. Real good. Yep. And, I, you know, just like always, I've loved interacting with the motocross community, you know, day in and day out, these people that are enthusiasts and, and some people like yourself that, that are obtained with a job in the industry. But, uh, no, I love every bit of it just like I always have. That's for sure. And uh, so you did testing for Honda for a long time, production stuff and R&D. We're going to get into that. But the the tires themselves, did you do a lot of work with testing tires? Did you did you know what you're doing with that kind of stuff? Like, well, yes, pretty good. I mean, I'm definitely have a lot to learn. You know, it's a guy like Doug Dubox been in the game for a long time in that that field. But uh, no, it's it's been a, a good eye opener. Uh, yeah. When I did work for Honda, the transitions from two stroke to four stroke, obviously they needed to change the technology, the tires because the bikes were much heavier at yep. that point. So it's it's kind of ironic that a lot of the updates we're doing to our tire are kind of what was happening back then. So um, we've been out with the tire about two and a half years, and basically we've made about seven product update changes. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And since the tire's made here in the USA, uh, it's very easy for these guys to make a product change yeah. quickly. So in about two weeks, we can make a product change, and then uh, we offer it to the public. It's not like we're going to build something new, and, and the, and the yeah. average consumer will never see it. So, um, And the it, stuff that, like, Crown and Lopes was using and Hill, that's all production stuff, like what you can buy? Exactly, yeah, yeah. exactly. And they, they were a little bit ahead. They were on the next generation, but now that – yeah is out now yeah yeah yeah. interesting um yeah it's kind of cool for you like i don't know how much you ride now russ or how much you know you got your kids are into it right but um i mean maybe they can use you for some testing like i don't know like you 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 know you definitely know how a motorcycle works and you've got a lot of time that we'll get into but so maybe they can even use you for some development yep and they've been great to to get uh you know obviously positive feedback from not just me but other other pros and stuff that that run the tire but uh yes you know, we're we're in the in the making of creating more of a durability tire. Yep. We have a Class C tire that just came out about four months ago. We have a new one that's going to debut early in the year this year coming up. Mm-hmm. So uh, it, it's going to be neat to see how they broaden the line in the motorsports uh, lineup in general, not yeah. just the moto tires. So. Yep. You see yourself there a long time, like good company, everything's going well for you? Yeah, so far yeah. so good. You know, good. being an American-made tire, not too many of those in, in the U.S., and uh, yeah. I, I'm honestly a big sprint car fan. And oh, Are you really? Yeah. Oh, see, I don't know the first thing about that stuff. Right, right. Well, and I I, I don't know a lot about the car setup, but again, it, there's a lot of action-packed stuff that happens in those mm-hmm. uh, oval races. and, and Yeah. Uh, so it'll be neat as as the future comes along what what I get to see and what's above the horizon. So. Yeah, yeah, it, it's uh, it's an interesting job for sure. You, do you now you're a moto guy? Like I know you from moto, right? Supercross, yep. motocross. Yep. You go to work stuff. Are you into it? Are you getting into it? Like you know, like no, no, for sure. And ironically enough, I, I rode you know five or six different events, work races, and big sixes. You know, kind of. Oh, you did. I, yep. Okay. When yeah. I had time off, and and I came from the off road world. So from about four years old to. 12, uh, that's all we do is road oh, okay. off-road. You're like Kiefer then. That's how Kiefer started. Like Kiefer started with the with the best in the deserts or whatever. Like exactly. That stuff. Yeah. And so whenever we start talking off-road, he's like, hey, don't forget, man. That's all I did when I started. And yeah. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. I started out moto. That's yeah. it. And I don't even – I've done a couple GNCCs. I hated it. They were gnarly. And that's it. I just like moto. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I don't know. Whatever. I don't like I don't like even MotoGP, like street bike racing. Yeah. I don't, I'm not into it. 
just like motocross. So yeah. no, and you take the average motocross guy out to the desert or yeah. out to a trail ride, and and you know those trail riding guys out there, they're, they're just waiting for a, a pretty boy motocross that's all suited <laughs> up to come out there and yeah. and take them up these big big hill climbs and watch them skid down the hills. But uh, right. no, it, it definitely gives you a certain package of uh, yeah. technique that can help you in motocross too. I feel so. Um, so you're working with Hoosier now, and, and you know tire technology, and you're going to the races, and you're meeting people, you're fitting tires, you know that kind of stuff. You were an independent rep for a while for Dunlop and 6D and some different lines or asterisk knee, knee braces and stuff. Yep. Then you worked at Parts Unlimited uh, pretty much for how long at Parts? Six years. Yeah, six yep. years at Parts as a rep in the Fresno area and all that, yep. where you're from. And then you had a long career racing motocross, right? Um, so you've kind of, like in the industry, you've, you've, you, you, know, you did the racing thing, right? Yep. Then the sales thing with Parts. Yep. Then you did like your own hustle gig. Yep. And now you're like a rep. Yep. Right, like so, uh, we're not. You're not really focused on sales so much now, right? You're more like repping the brand and, and going. And my point is, is you've done a lot of things in the industry a little bit, right, across the board. Yep, very yeah. fortunate, and yeah. uh, and it's neat even to see guys like yourself. You know, a lot of a lot of people like you and I that that love the sport. It's amazing how things pop up, and, and we all get to keep yeah. doing what we like to do. Yeah, so. I make money from talking shit on riders, right? It's amazing. <laughs> well, it's, it's incredible. <laughs> What would I have said about some of your moves back in the day? Oh, I'm glad you weren't on air. <laughs> I first met you in 97. I think I was working for Ty Birdwell. And uh, you were 97. What would you have been then? Uh, I was Suzuki? Probably, uh, no, I was Cowie. Cowie. And I think I met you a few years prior to that. I was just thinking that last night. It oh. might have been 95 that I met you. You weren't with Bird in 95? No, no, I wasn't huh. with Bird in 95. No, I was in Canada in 95. Okay. I, I, was, I came to a couple of races, but I wasn't, yeah. I wasn't on the circuit yet. Yep, first so. year was 96. PJ one team. Okay, I worked for Keeney, Corey Keeney, yep. and Kalo. So, oh, I remember um, that team. And, and then uh, my buddy Jason Fernet, fellow Canadian. I think that's where I how I met you through him. And and yeah, and and we we used to joke because I, we'd say like, "How you doing?" And you're like, "Russ is feeling good." <laughs> and we're like, "How's Russ doing?" <laughs> Russ is going to tell you. So. <laughs> no, that's great. Um. So uh. Yeah. So it's kind of like you got a little bit of taste of everything in the industry, which is which is a really neat thing to do, right? As far as that goes. Um. You're born and raised in Fresno. Yes. Did you ever, like, and you're there now, you're based out of there now, and you, that's where your Parts Unlimited territory was, and that's where, like, when you raced, you told us last night on the show, Pulp Show, how you did the NorCal stuff, you did the, so, like, did you ever want to get out of there? What's the draw of where you're not leaving Fresno? I mean, obviously now you've got kids and you're, you're married and everything, but... Like you never wanted to leave, and and forgive me for all I know is about Fresno Smooth. Yeah, yeah, and I and I actually went to high school about three miles from where that movie was filmed. Oh, really? But, okay. uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, no, it, it's actually a really good location. Like I said, it's very centralized within California. Yep. Let me race north and south. Um, the high Sierras were there. You know, we could get to eighty five hundred feet in elevation in literally forty five minutes. I love snowboarding, love skiing. Oh, really? Love going I, to the lakes. I pictured it as a flat desert thing. Like no, no. Forty five minutes away, you yep. can. Oh, okay. Be up there, and you know, of course, we're two and a half hours from the, the coastline, and yep. You know, I, I just could never stand L.A. traffic. Of course, I'd go down there and test with yeah. teams and yeah. and do yeah. what I needed to do down there, race there, and, and commute back home, but. Uh, it's just where I was from, and yeah, you know yeah. my family and friends, and I had great practice tracks and yeah. great camaraderie, so uh, that was my home base. Yeah, it's funny to me that a, a guy like you never left there. You know what I mean? And I, I mean, I just I'm a, I I left my place in Canada, you know, a long time ago. So, uh, and you never lived anywhere else. That was nope. it. That was nope. it. Always Fresno. Yep. That's, that's that's no, that's cool. Um, how much do you ride now? How much are you into it? A little bit. Yeah. You know, like I was saying last night, uh, I've ridden more in the last year, trying to get to know the product a little bit more. Yeah. And obviously, like you talked about giving them feedback of the, of the product I'm getting to try and the updates we're making. Mm -hmm. So, uh, no, it, it's been good. I, I work for Clawson Motorsports a little bit. I'm kind of a 
brand ambassador. You know, we carry yep. 12 to 14 lines there. So uh, it, it's good when I have a, a, my Cowie at the track and can let people try it. And, mm-hmm. and um, no, it's, it's been good. I've been been on the bike. My boy's 10. I'm hoping to get on the bike a little bit more just because I, yep. I feel that he's getting to the age that he can retain a little bit more information of yep. what I'm trying to do. Is he to. into it or is it more like you're, you're pushing him a little bit or is he into it? No, he's into yeah. it, but all the above at the same time. You know, he's 10, and, and uh, we do a lot of traveling, a lot of riding. Yep. But, uh, no, he's a great kid, very happy-go-lucky, and uh, sometimes I wish he'd be a little bit more serious, but, hey, he needs to be a kid. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah, for sure. So you see yourself maybe getting back into it a little bit. Yeah, I um, do. do you, have you, when's the last time you raced? Uh, it was not this year, but last year, Day in the Dirt, okay. so a little over a year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. how was that? It was cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Are you are you banged up at all from your career? Like do you have I know we went mountain biking yesterday and you said your your wrist broke it a few times, but Yep. And uh yeah, I had a navicular injury that kept nagging me for years and years. But uh no, all in all I feel pretty good. Obviously I I've had my fair share of breaks, you know, seventeen bones and probably six surgeries. But yeah. uh God willing, I'm still moving around pretty good and yeah. feel good. And, yeah, so nothing yeah. really bugs you too nope, much. Yeah, luckily. yeah. Oh, that's good. Yeah, especially after you know all the racing you've done yep. you know over the years. So um all right, let's let's get in the time machine. Let's go back, young Russ Holland, Fresno. Uh, how do you get into dirt bikes? My grandfather bought me a motorcycle at four and a half years old. Oh yeah. Yep. Dad and mom didn't want one, and grandpa no, no. did it. Okay, yeah. No, my grandpa was just kind of the, yeah, the yeah. ambassadors. He was a BSA Triumph rider. Okay. And he was in the World War II war. And oh, cool. He, yep, yep. And he was a, a lather. But uh, we had a lot of grit, but my whole family rode. My grandma, oh, my okay. grandpa, my yeah. mom, my dad. Oh, okay. My grandpa just happened to be the one that yeah, came yeah. home with the yeah. brand new motorcycle. So you were me. always going to ride motorcycles. Yep. Your family was into yep. it. Like I, I did a podcast with Tommy Searle, a UK guy, and he was telling me that none of his family were into motocross. Nobody was into motocross. He just saw a dirt bike and liked it and started riding from there. You know what I mean? He had no knowledge of the past and the history, but not you. You were... You were full in. Yeah, I remember we were trail riders. We didn't know yeah. much. We were part of clubs, and we'd we'd go to enduros and help ribbon the. Oh, really? The, oh, yeah, 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 ribbon yeah, the, yeah. The, the the lines out. And so uh, you weren't a moto peewee moto dude. No, not at all. Oh, not okay. at all. I was a desert rat slash uh, hill climber. So. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. So when do you get into moto? Well, I was twelve years old. So as, as time went on, obviously, like I said, from about yeah. four and a half to twelve, we were we were riding probably half a dozen times a year, eight times at most, but. Uh, We'd go to different locations, the, the sand dunes. We'd go to the desert. We'd go to these different places all the time. But uh, just like w- anything with the evolution, things started getting shut down. So we ha- we kept having less and less places to go. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, everyone just kind of got burned out of not having the same location. So uh, yep. I was super distraught that I, I couldn't go riding anymore. So that's how I found racing is that uh, yeah. there was a track about 20 minutes from my house called Little Oki Raceway. Okay. And, in the Central Valley, if you talked about 95% of the people that race down there or have raced, yep. they have all started there. <laughs> okay. So it has a lot of history yeah. of people's first races. Being right, there. right. Still there? Or? Yep. Yeah, really? Yep. Oh, nice. Um, so you start racing, and you're, you're, now your dad's taking you every weekend, and now you're getting into it a little bit? Yep. Are you starting to buy magazines and stuff like that at this point? Like, Yeah, I yeah. didn't really have the money for that, but would definitely go to the grocery store for an hour at a yeah. time, just look <laughs> through every one that I could find, right? Right. What year is this? This is uh, 86 is okay, when I started. Okay, so RJ and Wardy yeah. and all those guys yeah. are, are, are the guys. Uh, do you go to any pro races? Do you go, like as a kid, do you go to any? Like Fresno's uh, up there, but. Yeah, actually I got to go to the, um, I think it was a Rose Bowl. It was my first Supercross, and, and I didn't know one guy who they were, 
But uh, that's when I saw Ron Lachine, the dogger, for the first time. I saw a big uh, gold chain floating yeah, through the yeah, air. Yeah, yeah, And the hair hanging out of the back of the helmet. And the <laughs> You're da- like, I'm in. Yeah, in the Dalmatian <laughs> gear. I was like, dude, who is this guy? And obviously, uh, right. I had never seen a Supercross, but he was just so fluent on the bike that, you know, I knew nothing about anything, but I, I just really envied him, you know. Uh, yeah. It was weird how I, my attention got drawn to him. Yeah, yeah, well, for whatever it is. Races. And, of course, yeah. now you know him, right? Yeah, exactly. And so I, I'm the same way. Like, Bradshaw and, and Dogger were two of my heroes, and now I – I just talked to him regularly. It's, it's so surreal, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's crazy, right? Or RJ. Like, sometimes I'm talking to RJ. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm fucking talking about Rick Jones. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so um, are you good right away at Moto? Are you? Are you no. No? No, definitely no, not. No. I was 80 beginner for two years. Yeah, so 86, okay, yeah, yeah. 87. Yeah. You know, and then uh, it's just amazing, you know, how difficult it was, but how quick it all went by. I mean, within... Honestly, from 1986 when I started, yeah. it was 10 years. In 1996, I was sitting on Mitch Payton's bike. Yeah. So that's, it, a cr- that's crazy when you is. think about that. Yeah, because, yeah, I mean, I started riding when I was six or racing when I was six. And, yeah, so 16, I, I mean, I still didn't know what I was doing. I was still in the 80 class. You know what I mean? Like, uh, yeah, 10 years for you, you're, you're on, a, on a main event. Yeah. Yeah. That's it, pretty good. No, it was it was a neat, neat journey, you know, and as – you guys know I tried really hard on the motorcycle. Sometimes tried over my head a little bit, but yeah. that was a reason. I feel, you know, I feel that I had a lot of passion, but I didn't quite have the base that these guys had. You know, you never went to Loretta's. Never, never did any of that. Nope. Uh, I went to Ponca twice. Twice, yep, yeah. Once on an so, eighty. Once so on dad was supportive as far as taking you to Ponca and doing that. My grandpa. Okay. Yep. And my yep. dad was supportive too. But my grandpa just seemed to be at a point in his life that he had a little bit more time. You know, mm-hmm. the Loretta's thing. It just it was too many connecting pieces to it. You yeah. know. Did your parents not have money? Like not not a lot of money to no, do. Yeah. No, no, yep. no. So so grandpa takes you to Ponca. Yep. What years? Are you on 80s or are you on big yeah, bikes? Yeah, one one on 80. I think that when I was on a big bike, it was 91. So the the 80 must have been. 81. I said 91. Yeah. Um, but the 80 must have been like 89. Okay. Were you any good at Ponca or did you get your doors blown no, off? No, Jeff DeMint was there and I, I got my blo- my doors blown yeah, off. Yeah. When I went back as an intermediate in the 125 class, I did a little bit better. But, uh, you know, there were some great riders right. like Casey Johnson and Michael Brandis that were just mopping yeah. the floor with people. So, so as you progress in, in 80 beginner up in Fresno, are you racing Brandis? And these guys, like, are they kind of above you a little bit? Like, no, that- not yet. I hadn't seen those guys, so I okay. probably raced like two or three years. Yeah. Um, I stayed in, in a real uh, local area, meaning I yeah. just raced in Madeira, which was twenty minutes from my house, and then I also uh, would go to Huron Cycle Park. I think about 1988 is when I really started traveling out and okay. seeing things, going is, to Golden States. Is that the point where you're like, hey, I think I can, I want to make a living at this. I want to be Ron Lachine. Like, is that, no, are you starting I, to think of uh-uh, no, no way. Never. I was okay. still a super fan. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. obviously by 88, I was still probably an 80 novice. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. you know, I just love being part of it. You know, I pulled into Sand Hill Ranch and I'm sure you guys remember, but those, those Golden State Nationals yeah. usually, you know, used to get up up to about 2,000 riders at times. Yeah. So I'd, I'd pull in these races and just see a sea of people, you yeah. know. I saw a race, a Golden State video from Dean Matson, guy that you yep. know. And, dude, the, the, the pro class was stacked. It, it, uh, Whiting was there and, and Matson and Ricky Ryan. and I mean, these things were, were not warty. Yep. Uh, they were stacked. Yes, yeah, it's, it's I believe that yeah. Ward and Lachine actually got helicoptered into one round. I oh, think really? that they were yeah, yeah. testing or racing somewhere else. But, uh, no – those guys used to come hit those things, and me being yeah. a, a young kid, 80 beginner, 80 novice, and getting to see those guys, yeah. even though I went to a Supercross or two, to see those guys racing the tracks that I was actually getting to ride, ride yeah. on also yeah. was, was very neat. So, like, at 91, when you go to Ponca as an intermediate, yep. are you then thinking, like, I want to make a living at this? I think I want to be a pro? I, I, you know, no, right? no, I, I, no. <laughs> I just, of course, I, I, 
it was just such a long journey. I was just really focused on what was in front of me, you yeah, know. And yeah. uh, of course, everybody's dream is to be a professional dirt bike rider. Yeah. And uh, in fact, when I was a kindergartner, the teacher used to go around the class and ask everybody what they wanted to be. And I had no idea what I was talking about. Yeah, but yeah. I, I I'd always tell her I want to be a pro motocrosser, and she'd just shake her head and and. Uh, you know, really, what do you want to be, a fireman or a policeman? You really, yeah, you really yeah. think outside the box. And I just look at her and go, no, I, I want to be a pro yeah, professional yeah. motocross racer. But uh, it's amazing the power of words, you know, and yeah. and um, very grateful for all the races I got to attend and all the battles I used to have. So so uh, at what point are you running into, into like, brand – like, who's who's your contemporaries as amateurs or 125 and 250 intermediates and stuff? Like, are you – are you riding Brandes and these guys? Not yet. So, okay. so it, was, it was probably Casey Johnson. Casey? He was, yep. Okay. He was probably two years younger than me. He yep. was a Team Green Phenon. Dude, he was good, right? Yeah, he was really yeah. good. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, he beat me hands down for probably two and a half years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know. <laughs> but, it, you know, it was really good. As we keep talking to the show, there are certain people, and I'm sure in everybody's racing efforts, that there's always a carrot to chase, it, that it's very good to have those people to uh, keep upping your game. So, uh at the beginning, it was Casey Johnson. Then I yeah. met up with Michael Brandis, and yeah. I mean, of course, there were so many talented people. But you know, the sport and and people's lifestyles—they you know a lot yeah. of them changed direction yeah, too. For sure. So, but um, so in '94, you turned pro. Yep. I, and, yep. And '94. Was there a reason why, or you just it was time? I mean, were you just? Well, like, I, I, I hung start? out with a pretty rough pack of guys that were racers and and our thought was well we want to be pro so let's just get there you know okay. I, I read i rode probably a year year and a half in the intermediate class yeah and i was on, and that was about as long as i was on a big bike before i just turned pro yeah yeah so our thought was hey if we go to the races we, at least we get the battle for our own money back yeah you know so um yeah we just, so that, so we that just was went it. for it. Yeah. yeah. Still, like, no. Were you getting support by anybody? Were you bu just buying bikes? Grandpa was buying bikes, or what? Like, what were you doing? Yeah. Well, luckily, I had a I had a shop that I worked at. Like okay. I mentioned last night, I started working at a motorcycle shop when I was thirteen, and then once I got my driver's license, I started mowing lawns at sixteen. Were you a parts guy, or what were you doing? No, I was I was so young, I was more just a porter. Okay. So I, I was a cleaner guy <laughs> yeah, for the yeah. back, and then you know I'd do part stocking inventory. The parts would come in, yeah. so I'd go find the bins. And, yeah. Yeah. But um, like I said, at about 16, I started mowing lawns. And at 19, I started racing full time. So uh, I was very fortunate that this lady that. When you say uh, mowing lawns, like how much money can you be making mowing, mowing lawns? Like what? I feel like that's like a five, like a 10 year old job. Like, no, you no. Like a, like a no, I, I had probably 35 accounts. I was making really good money at who, that point. How were you getting accounts? Were well, you my, just... da my dad had a landscaping business oh, also. So okay. I, yeah, all right. the, so that makes sense. All the problematic ones he didn't want and the <laughs> tough customers are the customers I got. But... Ah, got it. Okay, so you were kind of walking into a turnkey thing with like 35 accounts. Exactly. Right? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And as many as I wanted to take on. But uh, it, it was great. Taught me good work ethic. Obviously, yeah. you had to have that, especially being a privateer guy early. Yeah. Um, I, I wrenched on a lot of my own bikes, but... Uh, like I was saying, I was what were you riding? What brand? What brand? Uh, I was a Suzuki guy. Suzuki, yep. okay, yeah. But the the lady that I worked for at the shop, it was called Friendly Kawasaki Suzuki. I was very fortunate. I mean, she used to supply me, you know, five six bikes a year, and the practice bikes. So without her, really, the the journey would have been really difficult. And you mean like give them to you and you had to give them back? Or yeah, how? exactly. Yeah. We'd okay. resell them. And, yeah, yeah. And obviously, my duty was to ride them, fix them up, and yeah, then obviously yeah. put the bells. Well, that's and really on. cool. Yeah, it that, was. I mean, how helpful was that? Right. Yep. So ninety four RMs, the big shr radiator shrouds, all one piece over the tank, right? Those, yep. those, those ones. Those are sweet. Those are good bikes. Yeah, they were. Yeah. Um, so you just turned pro. Yeah. And what's the first pro race you you hit? I hit the Hanford Supercross. I think that was the what? Hanford Supercross. What's that? Uh 
I told I told you about the bounty hunters last yeah, night. Yeah, so the bounty hunters. Yep, yeah, it was a, it was a form of that type of event. So back in the day, we used to have tons of fairgrounds races that we just have money purse races pop yep. up. I know a lot of that stuff still happens back east. Yeah, I'd like to see it happen back out here on the west coast more. Right. But uh, there was a lot of opportunity, not just in the contingency races, but uh, the local promoters really had had it going on. So do, do you get worked? Or how do you do? Oh, I got worked. You got worked. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And so it's, is this it's, is this Ricky Ryan working you? Yeah, and, and Dean Matson. Yeah, all the same <laughs> names. You know, it's just the, the money hunters, the bounty hunters. Yeah, you know, yeah. those guys were. If there was money to be sniffed out, they yeah. would all come running. But uh, were you? Uh, were you? The, like you talked about this a little bit last night. But so, like in your eyes, you didn't have the talent that Casey had or Dean or Ricky Ryan. You didn't have the talent of those guys. But you had. You were determined. You worked very hard. Were you training very hard, or were you just putting hours on a motorcycle riding? Like, like me, I never got anywhere near your level. As, but I got the I got a Canadian national number and I was awesome. uh, a pro up there, quote unquote. But I was never talented. I just rode all the time. I rode four days a week. My bikes were hammered. You know what I mean? I practiced a ton. That's how I got to be quote unquote good. Were you like that, but better? You know? Well, like, I wouldn't say better, but uh, de- definitely I, I rode more than anything because yeah. uh, you know obviously I I was looking around and watching these people the way they approached their training programs and and of course I had the want and the will and the determination, but. Yeah. Mind you, you know, I had a I had a really regimented program that yes, I would work out, but I had to do a lot of my own wrenching. So I mean, yeah, literally, yeah. I was in the garage four to five hours a day, you yeah. know, up upkeeping, you know, three race bikes, you yeah. know, one twenty five. So you're doing the dealership, you're working on three bikes, you're racing. Yeah, but at that point, I was I was just racing full okay. time. Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. About nineteen, like I said, I, I quit, oh, yeah, quit yeah. mowing lawns, and yep. so I, I was dedicated full time. Then I earned enough money by my own box fan. Mom and dad are fine with this. Yeah, like, like, let me. Yep, yeah, they're just, just let me shift gears. And, yeah, yeah. So you, you earned enough money to buy a box van? Yep. Oh, sweet. Yep. Dude, box vans were cool. Yeah, they were cool. Box vans were cool. Like, Birdwell had a sweet box van. Yeah, probably the nicest one around. I know, right? Um, okay, so now you're just like, hey, I'm, I'm making a go of this. Yep. But you're getting worked by Matson and Ryan still, or you're getting better? Oh, I'm getting better. You're getting better. Yeah, every, yeah. every week. And it took about probably a year and a half, and then uh, I started becoming more and more competitive. And then uh, once I started getting a taste of that money right. and uh, getting the confidence, right. it, it the, took off from there. I told you about this last night, but like Ricky Ryan and Matson, NorCal guys, at 95, 96, or 90, 94, 93, 94 at this point was what you're at, we're at right now, right? Mm-hmm. They're five to six years past their prime in Supercross and Motocross, and they're still hauling ass. Like, right? Yep. Like, which, like, so me growing up in Canada, I'm not reading anything about Matson and Ryan. Like, they're just, they may as well be dead to me because mm-hmm. they're not in Supercross and Motocross, right? Mm-hmm. You just figure they're, they're done racing. But no, they're in NorCal just collecting money. Yeah. And if you open the cycle news any time back then, I yeah. mean, it was just full of, the, of those guys, you know, yeah. racing nonstop. God, Ricky Ryan was a good starter. He was. Was he still a good starter, like, back then? Yeah. Like, like, still, like. And everything that guy did from the time he unloaded his bike out of the pickup truck to the way he lashed his boots, I, yeah. I mimicked everything. Did you really? Oh, yeah. 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 Because, I, you know, my mind, I, as long as I implicated what he was doing, yeah. I'd eventually get him. And I, yeah. I think it took me, so I, I turned pro in early 94. It yeah. probably took me. Almost to the end of 95 to start beating him really? on a consistent basis, yeah. <laughs> a year and a half of Ricky Ryan yep. just handing you your lunch. That's right. <laughs> and not just me. I mean, right, there, yeah, there'd yeah, be yeah. 50 pros right. at times at these races, and he'd just be mopping the floor with them. Dude, you know? it's hilarious. Like, this goes to show you once you have it, you have it, right? Like, um, So you're making enough money, though, to, to, to make a living. Yep. Like, I mean, somewhat. Yep. Yeah. That's cool. No, and back then, I mean, ironically enough, the bikes, you know, were a third the price. You know, you could probably buy a CR500 for $3,500, $4,500, yeah. and, 
you know, you could make $2,000 contingency on that bike in one day. So there was times, you know, when I was yeah, really yeah. on the move that I was making six k a day at local races and sometimes doing Saturday and Sunday events. So, really? I mean, there was, so you were riding Suzuki 125, 250, and a Honda 500? Yep. Oh, Suzuki, yeah, yeah. yep. Um, what's your first Supercross or Motocross National? Um... What do you what do you try first? I tried San Jose Supercross, I think, in '94. Okay, and that didn't go too good. No, no night show though. Yep, but no, no. Man. But I never ridden a Supercross track. Okay, I didn't have suspension. Yeah, yeah. And I told my parents, okay, I'm going to Supercross, and just and they're like, okay, have a good time. But I mean, <laughs> if my kid told me that with no suspension, no practice, I'd just be like, dude, you're not going anywhere. Get back in the right. house. Right. They have these things called whoops and triples. Exactly. Right. And and. Uh, <laughs> Have so a the, good day. The triple ate me up, so I came home. My dad's like, hey, how'd it go? And, and, and of course, he knew. Like, did you cross. eat shit? Do you remember? Oh, like, yeah, I ate oh, shit. They stretched me out on a no, stretcher, no way. stretcher board. Really? Yeah. yeah. Oh. I was luckily okay, but. Uh, yeah, yeah. It, you know, especially back then, I <laughs> I didn't. So race. this is Damon Huffman days, 94 of San Jose. Yep. Like, he's West Coast Suzuki guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think Jimmy Gaddis, right, too. Right. Yeah. So, so, okay. So, yeah. So, your first time at Supercross, you're just like. Yeah, it, did, it didn't last too long. Yeah. <laughs> I think I made it through a practice and a half. Oh, you didn't even, like, make the night show? No. Like, yeah, no, yeah. Crash of practice. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what's your next one? Do you remember? Uh, I want to say San Diego. It took me about three of them. Okay. And then, uh, luckily, I had a guy that helped me by the name of John Nelson, and uh, he finally ended up to go to one of the events with me, and uh, I made it in. I, I think it was an Anaheim, I believe, but... Uh, just like anything, God willing, I made it into one and got the confidence, and uh, they just seem to be start clicking off from there. Yeah. Uh, so ninety four. First points you get is Hangtown, May first. Hangtown two fifty in two fifty class. Okay. Yeah. You remember anything about that? Not really. No. 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 It's all blur. Uh, did you ride a lot, Hangtown a lot though? Not too no, much. Yeah, no. Yeah. Because it's still. Only, yeah. Yep. It was up up the road. I had ridden it, but uh, wasn't uh, like I was there weekly. June fourth, ninety four, seventeenth in San Jose in your first main event. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So you went back for revenge at San Jose. Yep. And and, and got it. Um, and then and then you went to Troy, Ohio. Yep. You went all the way to Troy. Yep. <laughs> Me and my buddy were 19 years old, and I had yeah. like two thousand dollars cash. We had no credit cards, and we were just like, dude, we're going to national. So we yeah, just yeah. we headed back there, and uh, you know, just like a lot of people's story, at the first time at the nationals, there was no map quest. We, were, yeah. we had the paper maps out, and yeah. But I was out of money in like three weeks. You know, sitting in one of those. Telegram places yeah, trying yeah. to get my mom to wire me more money. Really? But, yeah. Uh, uh, so okay. So are you getting any help from Suzuki, or is it still the dealership? Still, nope, the, still yeah. the dealership. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So, um, so then in '95, you're still doing local stuff, but you're, you're staying on the West Coast. But you got tenth in San Jose. Oh wow! I you don't remember that? Don't remember that one. But I so full privateer getting tenth. Yep. That's awesome. That's good. Good job. Are you practicing Supercross at this point? To you. Not really, no. Nope. But like I said, those the bounty hunter races and stuff, and the fairground venues that we got to try, yep. uh, or that I got brought up racing on. Yep. It really prepared me for Supercross. Um, obviously, I, I could have had a better practice regiment, but we yeah. didn't have the equipment, and the money, and the yeah, yeah. And not not like these days, it's where yeah. you just had tracks readily and, and, available. And, and, and there weren't so many teams like nowadays. If you were, if this was nowadays, you would find a team like Gas Monkey or somebody like that to ride for. Like somebody would yeah. pick you up, right? Or he, or head to SoCal and just use an open public supercross. Yeah, track. there yeah. wasn't even that option. No, back but I mean, then. like you would have maybe even got a team with some of these results, like a team ride with yeah. somebody. You know, like uh, uh, not a privateer, but back then there wasn't there wasn't much. Um, yeah, it's funny when you look at your vault, you you rarely headed east, you know what I mean? Just because, yep. yeah, there's no money and you didn't have a support. Uh, but in 96, Minneapolis, first round, I was there, uh, ninth place on a Suzuki. Yep. Privateer, still? Yep. And it was the East Coast, East-West shootout. Yeah. Yep. Uh, the next week at Anaheim, you get sixth 
the next week in Seattle, you're ninth, and then Peyton picks you up? Yep. How does that happen? Well, I, luckily, I'd ridden for Mitch for about two and a half, three years. Okay. And uh, since just I, Suzuki, he just did your Suzuki's? He just did yep. my Suzuki's. And, um, you know, obviously, I, I was used to being a versatile rider because of the contingency races. I would race different brand bikes, yeah. Suzuki's and, and Hondas. But uh, all through my racing career, I, w- I was very used to just switching off bikes. But um, I think I was sitting fourth in West Coast points, and it was yeah, you went nine it, six nine the first three. So yeah, pretty good. Yeah, and I think, uh, and that's just you and a box fan. That's like yeah, my my grandpa was driving a gardening trailer around, and we went to Minneapolis. Really? Okay. He, he literally did a hundred and eighty degree turn around on the on the freeway on accident. It was so icy, and oh shit. So when Mitch came up and offered me this ride, it was like an hour and a half before practice started in San Diego. What? And yeah. So um, hold on, in San Diego, yep. he comes up to you. Yep. And I got my bike out, and everything's yeah. ready to go. And he walks up, and it's right, actually he, roll, Mike, he, he rolls up. Yep, it's actually Mike Hooker. Oh, Hooker, yeah, yeah, yep. yep, yep. So Hooker was a good friend of mine, Terry Fowler, and those guys from SoCal. But yep. uh, Hooker walks up, and he says, "Hey, you want the opportunity to be on the split fire team?" Pingree just broke his femur, and I said, uh, "Yeah, I'd love, I'd love to do that." And it was a but, bit of controversy between the guy that helped helped me and kind of mentored me. You know, we we John built, Nelson. Yep, oh. we built such a solid program with the Suzuki's and I was doing so well that yeah. he really didn't want me to get away from it. Yeah, but you're paying all your own expenses, right? Exactly. And so, it, was, it was a very tough decision. And, and looking back, yeah, I probably should have stayed on the Suzuki, but, you know, it's a lifelong dream to dude, ride like a team for a team like that, but you know? I don't understand. Like, this is the day of the race? Yep. <laughs> I know. So, you entered on the Suzuki and first practice, you line up on a Pro Circuit Kawasaki. Yep. That's insane. And didn't even qualify that night. Well, yeah, no shit. Yeah, not so, good. Well, but what were they? What were they thinking? Surely Mitch and Hooker were cool with that. Well, yeah, but they didn't probably expect it to be that difficult for me. But uh, you know the tra- I mean, the transmission ratios, the, guess, the the power everything, difference, yeah, everything. everything. Yep. So like, did the, they have gear that fit you? Uh, they let me wear the Yoko stuff that one night. Okay. Yep, I, I wore Yoko. Oh, I need to see a. Fo- I wonder if there's a photo of that. Yeah, and I had a I had a Jordan Burns uh, strung out helmet on. It was pretty cool, custom painted helmet. Oh, you met Jordan at this point? Yep. Okay. I met those guys, but. Uh... Um, I I would love to see a photo of this because we it's a very rare like non team guy riding a a, pro, uh, a Spitfire bike, right? Yep. Um. Okay. So, how does it? Is it just for Supercross or how does it go? Uh, nope, I did. I finished the West Coast Supercross rounds out, and then um, I did the Nationals form, which went pretty good. So I was national number seventy-one that year, and then I think that the next I, I scored number seventy-two dur- during that time. What was it like riding for Mitch? It was really cool. Yeah. Obviously, it took me some transition time to catch up with uh, kind of the pace of things, getting getting yep. used to getting right at Cowie Track. You know, going to the track, hanging out with guys like Jeff Emig. I mean, it was very surreal. Um, all of a sudden just getting injected into that level of testing, you know, training and riding. Right, right. So. so, okay, so the vault here is wrong because it has you 19th at Gainesville on a Cowie. That's Mitch, right? Mm-hmm. But then it has you for Houston, Dallas, and St. Louis in 96. It has you on a Suzuki. That's wrong? That's wrong. And then it has two races at the end of 96 on a Kawasaki. So that's right. That, that's right. That's like right. You rode Mitch for the rest of the year. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. And you know, as time goes on, I will fi- I will get this fixed, Rusty. No, so, thank the, you. so the record is thank correct. You. I know you you care deeply. So, <laughs> and if knowing now what I what I if I would have known then what I know now, basically I I had a, a shoulder injury where my my shoulder was kind of popping out mm-hmm. and 
now I know why riders hide their injuries, I think, a little bit more than I did. It, because as soon as these guys even get wind that there could be a problem, you know, obviously they're putting a lot of investment yeah. into the next years. Um, I kind of felt like that was a Achilles, you know, problem for me yeah. is just having – I had a bad shoulder, and yeah. I think that they knew it. And then inevitably I was going to have to get it fixed. Yeah. And uh, I think that kind of hurt my chances to be back on the team in 97. Did you get along with everybody? Did Mitch like you? Did he yell yeah. at you? Or no, no, was he was, good? He was yeah. cool, and he cut me a little bit more slack than a lot of his other guys like Pedersen. And yeah, yeah. I think my other teammate was Christoph Purcell. No. No, no. no. Um, Michael Pichon. Pichon, yeah. Pichon. Yep. And uh, so it was neat. You know, obviously he didn't speak too good English, but everybody on the team was cool. I got to know Bones really well, did yep. a lot of testing. Yeah. So. And you, and you had Cowie track, riding Supercross yep. with Fro, and yep. Rhino, and yeah. And that's where I got to meet Phil Lawrence. Yeah, so yeah. it was really cool. Phil Lawrence took me under his wing, and he'd yeah. already kind of – Cleaned up a little bit. And yeah. He had a more average lifestyle. So it was really cool that he let me uh, come stay at his house. Oh, you did? You stayed with yep. Phil? Yeah. Yeah, it was really cool. Was but he still was hooking up with chicks or was it? No, no, okay. no. Was, it was right. just riding and training. Phil's a legend. That yep. was He would have been, that would have been his great Western Bank year. He crushed it. That yep, year. that he, was it. He rode really yep. well. Um, so 97, you're back on Kawasaki. Yep. And and Both for Jeff Harry at Thousand Oaks. Okay, so Thousand Oaks deal. Yep. Did, you, did you just want to get on a stay on a Cowie in case something came up with Mitch? Exactly. Yeah, and yeah, you yeah. know it was kind of a Team Green support deal. He been a, directed some energy. Obviously, since I've ridden for Cowies in '96, I think he wanted me to keep me on him. So uh, yeah. But did you like the Cowies? I did. I like yeah. Mitch's better. Yeah. But um. Um. So. In 97, you uh, get a couple of top tens again. You get a fifth in Texas. Yep. That's your career best finish. Yep. And that's a 1,000 Oaks, Cowie. Yep. Um, and then 98, you only have one race, LA Coliseum in 98. No, I'm sorry. You don't. I'm sorry. Uh, you start on – you go back to Suzuki for 98? Yep. Just because you're more familiar with them, whatever. Yep. Do you get help from them or – Nope. Just – they had a better contingency program, yep. and so uh, I decided to go there. And and really, they had really good engines back then. Obviously, it was hard to beat Mitch's factory bikes. Yeah, but, you know, tick for talk that a, a privateer's bike, the Suzuki's, I just felt were stronger at that point. Right. Uh, so again, talking about Pingry, uh, FMF Honda comes calling because Pingry gets hurt after the first national. Yep. And then so they put you on a bike. Yep. Now I was on the team this year, and I don't remember you. I think because I worked for Danny Smith until Bud's Creek, and you started Unadilla, I think, yep. with FMF Honda, and I was gone because Danny got hurt. So I left Ohio. You must have came in and rode Pingree's bike at some point, right? That's, yep. that's kind of how it all went down? Yep. Right. At that point, I was riding Hondas before that. Yeah. I was a test rider, like I mentioned last night on the show. Yeah. And, uh, so I was traveling around with Eric Krippa, and as that department kind of folded the the fmf honda opportunity opened up and yep. i went back to the races so how does let's go let's rewind a little bit how do you get the job doing durability stuff how does that happen with uh, well, and those guys well the durability stuff was a little bit different I, I put in like five years of that before getting the opportunity to do the uh stuff with Crippa. but um jeff astana rich taylor okay they, i knew those guys traveled the nationals with them so it, it opened the what door. years is that like 95 uh, 94 95 like yeah probably 96 96. Okay. So you're yeah. racing for Mitch and doing durability stuff? No, no, oh, no. Oh, it was okay. after that. Okay, after, after that. that. So, so okay. probably, I'd say, late 97, early yep. 98. So then yep. you get in with durability guys at Honda. Yep, exactly. And that's just, here's a production Here's a production bike. Do four 30-minute motos. Yep. yep. Good money, though? Great money. Yeah. Yep. Dude, that's a lot of riding. It is. It is. But it's it's so neat, you know, with, back in the day, getting cases of contact cleaner and, 
you know, the test would be over, and the, the Japanese guys were really nice, and so mm -hmm. they, they would, you know, help us with clutches and top ends at times. And, and how long would they go for? Uh, the, the durability yeah, test? Yeah, yeah. Uh, usually about three, three and a half weeks. Okay, so, and how many days a week? Uh, five days a week. Really? Yep, so we'd stay in the Tehachapi's. So okay. it was about 40 minutes from where the, the yeah. test track was. Yep. And, and so five days a week, four motos a day. Yep. And then I'd go home and get my stuff ready and go to the races. <laughs> oh, my God, dude. That's gnarly. Yep. Did you, did you, you must have been so beat down, or was it okay? Uh, it was okay because yeah. uh, money made the, the world turn, and yeah, I, yeah, I, I yeah. was on the hunt. Right, right. right. So there was money to be had. Um, I had the energy. That's pretty cool. So just basically, hey, we're do and it's thirty minute motos. Is that what it was? Yep, three yeah. thirties a day. Yeah, yeah, three or four. Yeah, damn, dude, that's crazy. Um, so that got you the job with Crippa. Yep, or an opening to do production stuff because Rich Taylor, our buddy, yep. mutual friend, he left. Yep. So they needed a, an R and D guy. Yep, I and mean, I was a bit young and had a lot to learn, but I think right. that they were trying to prep me for that for the future. But uh, well, then what happened? Um, the gentleman that created the division, he had passed away in a street bike test, a shoot, and. Uh, when that happened, it was kind of his vision of what the game plan was. Yep. So uh, the department just kind of folded, and, and uh, the other departments kind of engulfed the money. So. Yeah. So uh, Honda is paying your expenses to go race at this point, to test? You're riding a production bike? Yeah, a lot of testing, but also we did get to race. We'd go to Mammoth yep. and Hangtown, the, the local things. But yep. the, the deal was I had to ride a production bike at yeah. these races. Dude, those are, and I was at FMF Honda in 98. Those were slow. Slow. The air box with the aluminum <laughs> frame, the air boot was so – I guess it was like a big turn. Because of the aluminum frame, and it's, yep. so the air didn't suck air, it didn't move air very well, and just the bike was slow. It was so funny. I had a, a video of, like, Jerry Dostal, I, and Chris Wheeler all racing at Mammoth, and, like, I'm in third place, and the two Suzukis go by, like, the bull turn in front of the crowd, and they're just ripping, you know. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, I come by on my Honda, dude, and it sounds like I have a rag stuffed in my airbox, you know. <laughs> but luckily, Eric Crippa would, uh, would jet my bike so good that at the end of the moto, their bikes overheated, and uh, the Honda came alive, and wow. we ended up I, getting second, I think. I, on that team, that and I, I did a podcast with Danny. That team was a, was a bit of a shit show, the FMF Honda. And... We had Hooker at Honda that had built Lamson's bike and was like, hey, here's Lamson's motor. This is what works, right? And then Varner was the FMF guy, and Varner wanted to do it his way. Yep. And we as mechanics were just stuck in this middle. Varner's like, ah, screw Honda's stuff. I can do it better. We're like, yeah, but it's fucking Lamson. I mean, yeah. and, he's, and I remember like Varner was like, what, what main jet do you have in the, my bike? And I'd be like, uh, 164, because that's what Hooker said. Yeah. 170. Yeah. You're like, okay, but, and then Hooker would come by and be like, what main jet you got in? A 170? 162! And you're like, what the fuck is... like? So Varner didn't like Honda. Honda didn't like Varner. And, and the bikes were slow. And the team was disorganized. And dude, yeah. So yeah, anyways. And, 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 you know, you get on some of those deals. I mean, it wasn't too bad. There were a bunch of great people. Brock Sellers, Danny Smith. Um, I, I believe McCormick was my teammate as well. So they had a lot of solid dudes in the, on, the, on the team. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, it might have been a shit show, but if the bikes would have just been a little bit better, yeah. I think that everybody's results would have been better also. Right, so that's, uh, yeah, funny that you fill in for ping at two different teams, two, yep. different, two different manufacturers, yep. right? Um, yeah, it was, so you were gone by then. We were all based in Ohio. Yep. That damp warehouse, like, dude, it was just. Oh. Was it Cadiz? Yeah, Cadiz, Ohio. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Steubenville was close by. <laughs> We used to call it Stupidville. Yeah. The cool thing was, was we had an XR600 there. I don't know if it was still there when you was, were there. Wasn't it Floppy's? Was it Floppy's bike? I thought so. And you could take the XR with no helmet and ride it to McDonald's. Yeah. Down the street, nobody cared. It was just like, hey, I'm going to McDonald's. Brrr. 
Yeah. And and you're just like, yeah, I got an XR600 in this tiny town in Ohio. Nobody yeah. cared. So they would ride the the, the King Quad, the four wheel drive quad yeah. around too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's funny. So. Thanks for listening to the Fly Racing Racer X podcast. Appreciate it. This is Mathis, of course. Those who know motocross and love motocross know that motorsport.com has the knowledge and expertise to make your next ride your best ride. they got a broad selection of in-stock parts and gear at competitive prices. They specialize in bringing you OEM and aftermarket parts, riding gear and accessories for dirt bikes, motorcycles, ATVs, and UTVs. Motorsport.com, fast uh, shipping and free delivery on orders over, over 79 bucks to ensure that you never miss a ride. Go to the pulpamex.com show site or main site. Click on the motorsport.com banner and uh, help us out a little bit. Make a purchase. Great prices, great selection, all of that from the folks at motorsport.com. It's been almost 25 years since Cobalinx lowered the first motorcycle. They're based in Boise. Uh, they made the Suzuki dr 350 seat height a little shorter for trail riders around the world. That's how they started. Today, Cobalinx has been a lowering suspension link for everything from Aprilia to Yamaha, used by trail riders, motocross racers, and adventure tour riders. Like the first link, each one is still CNC'd in Idaho for riders of all ages, heights, and abilities. Increased plusness, improved cornering, and gain confidence by having a lower center of gravity this is for shorter riders and you want to lower your motorcycle cobalinks.com built in boise uh free u.s shipping by using the code pulpmx plus a discount so use the code pulpmx save yourself some money get free u.s shipping as well uh built in boise ridden and raced everywhere cobalinks.com k-o-u-b-a links.com thanks for listening back to the show you only did the honda r&d for how long uh, probably about eight months. That's it. Yeah, 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 it, yeah. it went quick. Yep. Dude, that sucks. Cause that could have been a really like. Rich did that for years. Chris Wheeler, of course, at Suzuki, right? Like that's a, that's a nice gig that you know you can do. Yep. So and especially getting to hang out with a guy like Eric Cripple, it was one thing to get the test of bikes, but I mean that guy literally had twenty five, thirty years of of wrenching experience. So. Yeah, yeah, he's a smart guy. Yep. For sure. Is he still around? Is he retired? What's I he... just talked to him about a month ago. Oh, I yeah? called him out of the blue and. What's he doing? He answered the phone all weird, right? And he, I'm like, do you know who this is? And he's like, no. And I said, this is Rusty Holland. And he goes, oh, sorry. I thought you were trying to sell me solar. <laughs> so, <laughs> do you know, do good old Crip. I still yeah, have yeah. a, a bunch of humor. I, uh, I should do a podcast with him. You should. Yeah, he, he's a smart guy. I talked to him a little bit here and there over the years. Yeah. So, yeah, real quiet, soft-spoken guy, yeah. but, like, really smart. He, right? He's always known for wearing turtlenecks and these work boots with yep. jeans on. And literally, at the end of the day at Glen Helen, he'd be just running up and down the mountains for yeah. training, you know? Yeah, and Martini, too. Him and Martini were, yep. like, covered from the sun 24 the 7 time. right yep. yeah. and if you, you see me wear my floppy hat that's kind of where i got it from i'm always in a long sleeve t-shirt and yeah yeah and a floppy hat exactly um so 99 you're suzuki now yeah go back to suzuki honda the deal is done so yep. you, you get suzuki's and you start racing again and you got seventh at texas uh in dallas so you know a good a good season uh and then 99 you're on a honda for outdoors or no is that is that wrong no i i think uh after the fmf thing i I went to Dean Marini Honda after that. Dean Marini. Yep. And okay. when he was Honda, then he switched to Suzuki's, and I went to Suzuki's, I think, 99, 2000. Yep. Mid-99, yep. 2000, we switched. And to how Suzuki. did you get that ride? Um, I knew uh, I knew Brad Hagseth. Okay. And he was a great Northwesterner. He lived yeah. up in Washington, and that's where Dean Marini was founded is in, in Washington. So, uh, Did you meet Ray, Dean Marini? Oh, yeah. Yeah, good guy, guy, right? Well, he passed dude, away. He was awesome. Nice. I've always heard yep. that he was the nicest guy ever. Yep. Yeah. And, and ruthless at the same time. He was a very sheer competitor. Obviously, he was a softball player. He had, yeah. his, own, he had his own TV show for softball bats. Oh, he did? Yep. Oh, I knew he made bats and yep. all that. Yeah. So he actually would had like a coaching thing where he'd show how to hit. And... So this is your teammates are Clark. Yep. Danny Clark. Uh, Ryan Clark. Uh, yeah. Sorry. Ryan Clark. Um, Preston? 
Evans. Is Preston? Yep. Tyler I mean, Evans? Yep, Tyler Evans, yeah. Preston. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. And Lance Schmale. Oh, okay. Yep. Good team? Yep. Yeah, it was cool. Yeah. We had Troy Lee backings. So yeah. We had, we had good-looking helmets. Yeah. And uh, I forget I forget who was doing the motors. might have been Bills. Yeah, I think it was Bills. Um, Did you get hurt? Because you didn't race all year that year. No, but I got to ride Supercross, and then the deal was is I got to ride Supercross on the Suzuki's, and then, okay. and then Lance Schmell was going to be able to ride the outdoors. Ah, okay. So Schmell was obviously a really good outdoor rider, yep, a, yep. as I was. I tried also, but he he definitely had no, lower national numbers than me. But uh, that was just kind of the plan. Schmell was talented. He Schmell was. was a good rider. Yeah, yeah he was very really fluent. good. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then you go to Arena Cross? Yep. How does that happen? I really don't know, but I got to try. I got to try out. I don't know how or why. I think I just cold c- called uh, Dave Analak, and and he said, really? "Yeah," and he's like, "You know what?" And it was between Ezra Lusk had a younger brother. I think his name was yeah, Shane, Shane Lusk. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And <clears throat> so there was three of us actually: Jeff Gibson, me, and Shane Lusk that were all trying out. So Dave had all these bikes, and, okay. and Willow was already part of the team. Yeah. So yeah. He had a couple riders already picked: Chad Johnson, Jeff Willow, yeah. and then there was three of us trying out for the team. Oh wow! And so he had, I think, five riders at the first three rounds. Okay. And uh, Shane Lusk was a little bit young. Obviously, it was difficult for me walking in that thing. I mean, I went to Des Moines, Iowa for the first time going to Arena Cross, and they had like 130 entries. And, you know, what was the main event? They accepted yeah. 12 of yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, so the first couple didn't go too good. I think I only qualified for one class per night where they had two classes you were able to, to compete in for the first two weeks. And... My shoulder was bugging me, popping out at every, you know, every lap, three times a lap. Was this the same shoulder from same Mitch? Shoulder, like you, yep. So you never did get it fixed. No, didn't right. get it fixed yet. And uh, and I might have had it fixed already by this point, but it, it was going okay, bad again. again. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So I think I had three surgeries on the same shoulder eventually. But uh, So finally the third round, I forget which one it was, I, I cranked out two seconds behind Antonez on the 250. And uh, Chris Hunter that ran the Team Tough team, do you remember yep. him? Yeah. Yep. Cog. Yeah, Cog. Yeah. Yeah. He uh, Cog was on the PJ one team. And oh, then, no and way. Then got fired and I got his job. Yeah. <laughs> no way, yeah. yeah. So we had a lot of fun and uh Dave Analek I, I got accepted on the team from that point on. And right. uh, it was really cool. I got f- five wins that year and it was all in the two fifty class, but uh Yep. And now you're making more money now, right? Like yep. doing, yeah. Yep. Yeah. And you know, it was it was very trialing, you know, I wasn't getting the results I wanted earlier in the year and obviously I didn't have a a team ride established, so was, I was kind of on the, the needle to, to yeah. get the performance. But once I got in there, and it was a great team, very comfortable once, and relaxed. And people have said this a, a bunch of times about Arena Cross, is it does, even Bradshaw, the first run Bradshaw showed up that he didn't qualify either night. Mm-hmm. Once you get the hang of it, though, mm-hmm. the racing, you, you start figuring it out. It, but it takes a bit. Yep. Yeah. You found the same thing. Yep. Yeah. Just like anything, you know, your first main event, and yeah. your first win, and then you get two. You right, know. right. Uh, Rusty Holland on the Fly Racing Racer X podcast presented by Maxis and Renthal, Renthal.com, Maxis.com. And thank the folks at Fly Racing. Zach Osborne winning the championship with Fly Racing gear, uh, Russ. So uh, check out the Formula Helmet. Check out the uh, the new all-new light pant. They're completely redesigned for 2021. As well, I want to thank the folks at Racetech. Pulp 20 is a code to save with Racetech. Get your suspension work done. You ever use Racetech? Mm, no. That's surprising. I think I, I hesitate there. I had one bike that had it on, but I don't even know how I got it on there. Okay, but, Racetech.com. Paul 20 is the code to save with those guys. Get your motor work done. Get suspension work done. Uh, Paul Feed down there in California. Really smart guy. Really clever guy. And uh, a lot of teams and riders use Racetech. And so, please, it's privateer proven. And, uh, yeah, use the code. Get your, Show your bike some love. We'd appreciate it. So, um, so now you're in Arena Cross. Now things are rolling a little bit. Uh, we touched on this last night. So if you Google Rusty Holland, 
it comes up with a fight with Michael Brandes on the track. Yep. And this is what people – how did that happen? And how did it go down? Well, obviously opening round at Coliseum. Yeah. And it uh, – 97. 97. Yeah. And I think I got a third-place start, and I wasn't that good in the whoops. And I w- it was like the second lap, maybe the – yeah, it was the second lap in the race. And um, I went through them, and I got just mauled at the end of the, <laughs> end of the straightaway by a bike, right? It just took me yeah. out and T-boned me. And uh, so – my bike was elevated in the turn. Obviously, the, the the berm was probably 10 feet tall, so I had nothing to step on to pick my bike up, and we're all tangled together. Yeah. So I, I stepped on his bike and maybe part of him to get back up to my bike. And uh, as I turned around, you know, he he didn't like me stepping on him, and uh, he he came at me, and luckily I saw it coming just in the nick of time. So so that, that was it. It was that, on. Yeah. But Mitch wasn't mad with you. He no, and yeah, I, I wasn't really on his team, but yeah. uh, no, he luckily he wasn't mad. But he, Brandis had had you know some previous confrontations with the other guys uh, yeah, on the rep. team yeah. the, the yeah. few weeks prior to Paris Invitational. So uh, he was just kind of making his rounds, you know, going going through the squad. So <laughs> luckily, I, I got a piece of him from Mitch. Uh, and you were laughing last night because I kept bringing it up, and and I think that's funny. But um, I mean, do you regret it? Like it is. No, I do, but yeah. at the same time, you know, any news is good news. It's funny that we're sitting here talking about it 20 years later or whatever the time frame's been. But, uh, you know, I do motorcycle training for kids, and it's, I don't have a website for it, but they Google my name, and they're just like, dude, they get out of the car. <laughs> and my, like, my son Googled your name on the right. way to the track. and um, but So Danny Stevenson's come on our show and talked about you taking him out. Uh, you had that fight on YouTube. Look, Russ, you're a gr- you were an aggressive rider. Uh, everyone's got stories. Uh, JT's got one from the show last night. Um, um, yeah, everyone's got some stories about Russ. He, you know, you you were, and I don't think you make any apologies for it because you were fighting for money. This is how you made your living, and you were a fierce competitor. Um, I didn't like the fact that some people called you rollerball. By the way, yeah, it's only one rollerball, Russ. Yeah, I agree. Okay, um, but do you regret some of that stuff? Like, you seem like on the show last night, like, you didn't want to own it a little bit. And I, you know, we're all older now, right? So, looking back, we all have done dumb things. I, I don't, I don't, I think you should own it. It's, nobody was like, hey, Russ is a dick. Like, you were aggressive, though. Yeah. Well, so, it, so how do you feel now, years later? Well, and, you- and, and a lot of it was justifiable, but also a lot of it wasn't. So, that was a, the tough part for me. I, okay. And, until I got strategic enough and had a cause <laughs> behind it, right? Like... <laughs> Before it was just if I couldn't beat you, I'm gonna run into you and okay. bounce off. Yeah, you know? yeah. So, uh, so you are a little bit like a, not embarrassed, but you're you, you're some regrets. About, yeah, some, some yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, knowing what I know now, nobody hardly ever messed with me. So it was a yeah. good good trait to have. Yeah. I mean, I, I regret it a lot, but at the same time, that's what got me to where yeah, I was able listen, to, to reach to. I was around when you raced, when you were active, and even back then, it's like, dude, Russ is aggressive. Some say dirty. There's always that fine line. But I don't think, like, you know, like Andrew Short was the same way. Yep. People said, oh, Andrew Short's the nicest guy off the bike. And, dude, but a lot of guys hated Andrew Short because yep. he rode hard. And I think that's what you were like. You're a super nice guy off the bike. But on the track, hey, it's 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 my money. It's my position. You know, that's points and money, and I want to get ahead. So I don't – yeah, I think you should own that a little bit more. I don't know. Well, as a race <laughs> elevates, you know, like it, even if you're not – Tick for tack, you know, trying to take each other's front wheel out. It, it it becomes a level of who's willing to commit and what you're willing to sacrifice to get that win. So, yeah, you know, back then there was a lot of guys that were aggressive and not just me. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, it was more so than nowadays. Absolutely. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. And the only way you could, you know, put a fire out is beat it with more fire. Yeah. So 
I mean, I put your photo up on Instagram yesterday after I'm out in Black oh, yeah. and we had like three or four comments from people just like. <laughs> so you know, I mean, you gotta you gotta do it. You gotta deal with it. Danny yeah. Stevenson, who has admitted that he cleaned people out bad, uh, uh, said that you you know he, you took him out and you know so Danny's saying that too, like yep. you know. Um, but yeah, it's the way you raced. That's the way so, I raised. And you know what? You're a self. It doesn't sound like you cu- you don't come from money. You weren't gifted anything. It sounds like in your whole career, and yeah. and, and and so yeah, no, like, I'm uh, super, yeah. super pumped. My my grandpa and the people around me taught me good work ethic, and mm-hmm. uh, me growing up in the neighborhood I grew up in, it it, it, it yeah. taught me a sense of rawness and uh, desire. So, uh, so Arena Cross is probably your most profitable racing venture, like that, that and, and the and the local Golden State. Yeah, races. yeah, yeah. 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 Um, so you never. Looking at your results here, like you never actually did a whole season east west, you know, like four fifty supercross and and not like you just couldn't like the money on the west coast was just too good, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um there's a few guys I've talked to like that. Uh Gary Denton was one of them way before your time, but Denton was like, I can't I couldn't go back east. I mm-hmm. mean I these these races contingency races in California, you know what I mean? So And I think I did uh I did two years of it, ninety four, ninety five in a box van, then yeah. ninety six. Uh, I had a ride with Mitch, of course, 97. Um, I did as much as I could. I had a shoulder surgery during the Nationals. The 98, I was with FMF Honda. 99, I think, uh, was with uh, Guy Marini for some of them. Yeah. So yeah. It, I was lucky, but it was only when I got the rides to go back there. I, yeah. I really wish I could have gone back and stayed there for weeks on yeah. end. Yeah. Yeah. Train. I, I got to go to Fred Andrews' house in Ohio. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So that was really cool. So as we were traveling around these different places, we we got to stop there and and, and practice. But uh, uh, so arena cross though was fun for you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was you were racing for wins, right? Yeah, making some money. Yep. and all of that. And there was a lot of talent there. I mean, you know, we had Pedro Gonzalez, Darcy Lange, Josh Demuth, Buddy Andes, yeah. Stevenson. I mean, yeah, there was ten, twelve guys there. Willow on a given day that could have right. been competitive. Right, know? and and you didn't have to probably for your skill level, you didn't have to work too hard. Endurance, you know, what I mean, like. You you could jump everything right away, and and you know, and yeah. endurance wasn't really highly needed, right? So it was fun that way. Yeah, and it, and it got pretty grueling. I mean, we'd ra- we'd race four classes a weekend, and then if you, I was I was pretty good at the dash for caches. Okay, I was a sprinter, but yep. uh, you know, it, at by the end of the weekends, you were definitely tired and burnt, and and uh, it was it was exerting in its own way, also. Yeah. You know, are you meeting your wife at this point too? Are you? Are oh you, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. In fact, so uh, she would go to a lot of them with me, flying around. Okay. And, uh, so yeah, so you're like, this is your job now. Like yep. you're, you know what I mean? This is how you're supporting your your family yep. at this point. Yeah. So that's more pressure for you too. Yeah, and luckily we we didn't, you know, we had kids later. Yeah. Um, so it was good. When do you? When do you like? Hey, it's over. Time to get a job at Parts Unlimited. Like, how does that happen? Well, it that just transition? all kind of fell together. You know, obviously I was probably 30 years old, 31 years old, and yeah. uh, still working at Honda, just cranking the laps out. And yeah. I had just had my daughter was born, and I was commuting from Tehachapi back to Fresno every day, which is like a 220-mile jaunt. Yeah. And uh, just so I could be with my daughter at night. And uh, so I, ne- I felt like I needed to just get something that was a little closer to home, and the Parts Unlimited thing popped up. And uh, so... I was very fortunate. I got was that through deal. Lou? Like our no, buddy Lou Lopez who worked at Sunstar? No, in yeah. fact, the, you know, we were really good friends, which he was, I think, the national sales manager at yep. that point. Yep. But um, there could, it, the, the guy that was the regional manager named Chuck Wade, he's the one who had to pick me. So, okay. Um, but is that who, who recruited you? Uh, nobody. I just oh. called in on the job. Oh, you did? Yep. Oh, you just saw it was open? Yep. Oh, I would have thought you went through Lopez and no, Sunstar. No, no. Oh, and okay. In fact, not, not that, like I was mentioning to you yesterday, 
Usually they give a parts manager or somebody like yeah. that, that, that kind of role. Yeah, they don't give a racer that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I think that people are a little bit scared to put their name on my uh, on my team to, to yeah. try to get me the job just because it wasn't a normal thing. Yeah. And uh, I'll never forget I met the guy in uh, California, I mean uh, Mojave Desert at Chuck. The, the town Chuck yep, yep. to go do the interview. And I had a Toyota Avalon that I used to commute from Fresno to, yep. to, to Hatchby's in. And I pulled up, and he knew I was a motocross racer. And he goes, hey, where's your four-wheel drive truck? I thought you were a pro. <laughs> and I just looked at the guy, and I was like, well, I'm not driving a four-wheel drive truck. This thing gets yeah. 32 miles a gallon, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, I was yeah. literally driving 1,000 right. miles a week. I know? remember Chuck from when I worked at parts. He was a nice guy. Yeah, Great guy. Yeah, yeah. really nice guy. He taught guy. me a lot. Yeah. You know, he was tough, but he was a straight shooter. You knew who you were dealing with. Yeah. and uh, Dude, that's a whole w- new world for you, though. Yeah, absolutely. Like, you're selling tires and batteries and street bike stuff, right? Like, and that, we, had, we yeah. used to have six different catalogs. I'm sure you yeah. remember Snow, Street, you know, yeah. Apparel, right. uh, Off-Road. Yeah. And so back then, they would just, you know, mail boxes and boxes of catalogs to your house, right? And so I get all this stuff in my house. That, I mean, a pallet worth of stuff yeah. Yeah. gets delivered to my house. And Chuck comes there and... He goes, okay, here's your dealer list. And I go, well, what do I do? He goes, you'll figure it out. Really? And just yeah, drove yeah. away. Yeah, you know? yeah. But over time, it was it was neat. You know, there is no way to really explain how to be a road rep. You yeah. just have to go through the trials and error. Yeah. I mean, of course, yeah. he got Yeah, you got to screw up, right? You exactly. Gotta, yeah. Yep. And, he, and he definitely taught me some things, but he knew that I had to go through the process myself. Right. So. Um, what's funny is we talked about this a little bit. Like, you're making good money. Those are good jobs. Those are mm-hmm. prestigious jobs, whether it's for WPS or parts or anything else. And you're you you'd walked away from it. Yep. Yeah, you just didn't want to do it anymore. Yeah, it was tough. You know, I was I was very. I had a great time racing. Had a great time testing. Had a great time mowing lawns. And then I was I was used to being a, a self entrepreneur. And yeah. I, I was used to beating my my own drum. I was never really rich, but I was enriching with time to yeah. go cycling and mountain yeah. biking and yeah, snowboarding and you know and obviously working. But uh, um, God willing, I got back. Uh, to the races and started selling different products and uh, did that for about five years and the guys at parts when you called them to be like hey i don't want to do this anymore they just they must thought you were crazy yeah i think a little bit and you know i had established a lot of good relationships yeah. were you making six figures you probably yeah it six was figures. right yep. yeah and those guys do well a lot of dri- but i mean a lot of driving time a lot of windshield time exactly you know a lot of wait times away from your family did you have any overnight stuff did no you, not no, too you, often okay yeah you so know you could besides our mvp in wisconsin but uh you know, still this day, got a lot of great connections yeah. at work back there at corporate and, uh, you know, still get to see Hilton Beatty and, yeah, yeah. you know, Lou's not there anymore. I right. still see him. And, right. Yeah. But it, but it was a great notch to put on my belt. You know, it was a great company. I still obviously, automatically, I'm kind of brand loyal to them. You know, I always walk through the shops looking at what people have in <laughs> stock on the shelves, you know. Are they stocking Thor? Are they stocking Fly? <laughs> exactly. What are they? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right. But, uh, no, it was good. But, you know, those... Those level of companies get so big that at some same time I, I was rep number three three five. Yeah. So I think that they're down to under two hundred reps at this point. But yeah. back then everything was just booming. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean the top guys like back east, the guys in Philly and New York. I mean they're they're making half a million dollars. I bet. You know what I mean? So yeah. like yeah, back then it was it was great. Um, and then from there you started doing independent stuff, and then yeah. and then you got on with Hoosier. Yep. Yeah. So I started doing my riding school stuff, and then yep. selling product of the races, and then. Uh, like I said, here I am a Hoosier. So. And uh, any regrets? No, no, luckily, no. no. I mean, one thing you talked about last night, though, is, and I can see this looking at your talking to you about your career and the different things you've done. Like, if you had had somebody to be like, "Hey, go get your shoulder fixed. Hey, 
don't take this ride. Don't do that. Like, you know, you don't have anybody like that. And you, you got to figure, and you're young, all of you guys, all you racers, and, and you don't have anybody to kind of no, and I, and I had that mentor. Just yeah. it didn't work out that way. I, the, right. the ride was there, and I felt like I needed to take it. He kind of, but yeah. Oh, ha- I don't blame it, you for taking that ride. It, it all yeah. it all happens so quick, though. I mean, you know, you think about it in five years. You know, it's it it it, it just goes quick. You know, I think I might have done seven years at the nationals. Yeah. Um, but, uh, what's your best race? What's your best race ever? Do you have one or two that stand out? Uh, probably the Anaheim where I got sixth. Yeah. I like that one. The, yeah. the, the fifth was cool too, but it was a mud race. I, I mean, I kind of felt like I was. Right. But uh, just being competitive and making money and, you know, it, I, I loved every race. Yeah. Every race that I could you, compete in. You strike me as a type of guy, when you talk about Dogger, seeing Dogger when you were a kid and, and how you know him now, and you'd strike me as a type of guy that when you were racing, you were probably like, holy shit, that's Carmichael. Right? Yeah. Were you that way? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yep. yeah. Where you really can't be that way. Yeah. Like you shouldn't, like racers shouldn't be that way. <laughs> but I was, a, you know, a big fan of the sport. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I'll never forget this first time I saw Carmichael at the Paris Invitational. I, those jumps were huge. Did you ever go to that race? No, I never did. Oh, no. it was massive. Yeah. But, uh, I was so scared to go on the track that I let everybody go because the jumps were so big. They probably had six jumps on the track that were over 120 feet yeah. in length. And yeah. I look back and here comes Carmichael ripping through the pits. He's like late for practice. He's like he's a number seventy at this point. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I've never seen him before, and he's literally like four foot yeah. four. I he's, don't know. And he's stockier. He's yeah. chubbier at this point. <laughs> and uh, he comes ripping around the corner. And I'm I'm scared to death to hit this track to try to do these jumps for the first time. And uh, he turns the first corner and just starts shifting gears. And I'm like, I don't even know this guy. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, he's going for this. Like I literally had like two tenths of a second to just shift gears with him. And I, I just put my life. Oh, so in. you were like, "All right, here we go." Yeah, yeah, and did every jump the first lap follow on Carmichael, right? <laughs> so, um, but I knew, you know, the word, and the, the word on the street, how good right. he was. Obviously, how many titles he had. I, I knew that he he was he knew what he was doing. My uh, one of my favorite stories talking about Casey Johnson, who was really good, by the way. And mm-hmm. Russ, this needs to be brought up. He won the first two rounds in '99 or 2000 on a Yamaha Troy bike, and Casey would have won the championship that year. And you landed on him. Not your fault. Mm-hmm. He cased the triple in Anaheim yeah. right in front of me. I was in staging area for that. So was that a main or a heat? It was a heat race. Okay, so yeah. I was in the next heat. So I'm like right in the front, corner triple where the yeah. riders come on the track. And I saw it like as plain as day. I can picture it like it was it was here yesterday. And uh, and he cased the triple. You were right behind him. You landed on his arm, broke his arm. And it's just like no fault of your own again. But like Casey, no, a guy you grew up racing. Yep. And... You put him out of the championship. Like again, not your fault. Yeah, but just funny how that works, right? No, and I grew up racing eighties against him, and you know, like you said, one twenty five intermediate, and it was sad. I knew his family, I knew him. Yeah, he was the class of the field that year. But you know, yeah. the, as we've seen before, the triple landings are so sharp. If you if you land on yeah. all frame, I mean, it just yeah. it puts you at a dead stop. Did you, you eat know? shit too? Uh, or did you save I, it? I, I, I felt, felt like you saved it. Or, or... I, yeah, I kind of saved it, but okay, then I kind of yeah, yeah. fell over. I kind of right. wobbled yeah, off the yeah, track, yeah. hit a hay bale. I yeah. still was able to qualify, but yeah, uh, yeah. I felt really bad for him. Ah, there's nothing you could do. Yep. But but funny how the guy you grew up with that was always the star of your area, you know, yep. you broke his wrist and that was it. He was almost never the same. But going back to Casey Johnson, that year of Carmichael, 70, yep. he was on the team then. Yep. My favorite story is Mitch told me this, is he thought that, that uh, Mitch was giving Ricky better stuff. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. So I guess he was like saying, well, you give the kid, you know, you give the star, the amateur star, the better stuff, you know, and they were like, here, here's his bike. 
And Casey went out and was like, oh, like it's the same bike as mine. Like, like he just, they were like, here you go. Ride Ricky's bike. Mm-hmm. So that was a pretty funny story. I always thought that was pretty good. So uh, Casey was good. Casey yeah. was really good. I, I didn't know him very well, but yeah, very, very talented. So <laughs> um, favorite track? Uh, ones I could win it. <laughs> <laughs> That's no. standard. Yeah. I liked Unadilla. Yeah. Um, I liked uh, Binghamton, was it? Binghamton, yep. yeah. That New was York? a really good yeah, one, yeah. you know. Yeah. Uh, Pennsylvania, Steel City. Steel City. Really cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, Funny Nor- that you don't pick any local NorCal tracks or whatever. No. Yeah, yeah. No, I don't know if they're just played out or right. what. It was just, But I had seen those for so many years. It was just so neat to travel the, right. the nation and, and see all the yeah. iconic tracks you've always heard about. Yeah. You know? Matson lives here in Vegas. We could get him on and we could do like a, 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 a memory, memory rock down memory lane with you and Matson. Totally. So, uh, and Ricky Ryan. We'll call him up too. So, uh, good times. Well, hey, man, thank you for doing this. Uh, well, thanks for having me. Uh, congrats on like congrats on the gig with Hoosier, and you should be very proud of all your results in the vault and what you've done, like all self-made and 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 really really cool. So, oh, uh, um, you should be stoked on on what, everything you've done in your racing career. Do you are you like do you are you proud of it? Or do you look oh, back? Absolutely. And, yeah, no, yeah. I, no, I'm very proud of it, and, and uh, you're not bitter my, or look back. No, or, yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. no. I, yeah. It was a time of my life, and I'm right. still enjoying the memories, and uh, hopefully, I'll get back out there for some more races, but. Uh, my grandfather and I, we, we got through a lot of things together and spent a lot of time and years together, and uh, that's what I'm trying to create with my son is just yeah. that, that passion and memory that will never be forgotten. Yeah, you know? that's awesome. No, well said for sure. Uh, Fly Racing Racer X Podcast presented by Renthal and Maxis with Hoosier Tires' Rusty Holland. Uh, thanks, Russ. Appreciate it, man. Thanks for coming in the Pulp Show and doing this. No, thank you, Steve. Thanks for listening to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show. Don't forget to check out some of our past shows, including motocross legends such as... The Bad Boy, Rick Johnson. I looked down and my hand was junk. I mean, yeah. it was sitting over to the side. The tendons were jerking in weird places. And my biggest disappointment with Danny Storbeck is that he never said sorry. Because Danny and I were friends, and we've never talked since. Brian Lunis. Before the 500 event, Dave and I fly to Germany, go down to Stuttgart, there's this little shop out the back of the mall factory. We get our cylinders, take them back, and, you know, off we go. And, you know, we ran Nicosil Cylinders as a factory part for a handful of years before anybody ever saw it in production. And, and Magoo was all, you know how he did the big pancake thing? Right, and, right. and he's got the thing, he's completely laying on the gas tank trying to miss his tree. I mean, he would have gone even harder, jump farther if that tree hadn't have been, you know, yeah. if, it, if it hadn't been there. The Hurricane Bob Hanna. I love the guy. I don't dislike. I think yeah. he's the greatest competitor this sport ever had. That absolutely 100% in my mind. I firmly believe that statement I said about these modern day guys in Switzerland or Holland or Belgium on 45 minutes on the same bike. You're not beating Roger. Are you crazy? Right. They're not doing it. If they think they're so much better nowadays than they were in those days. They're fools. They're different bikes, different times. The Beast from the East, Damon Bradshaw. It got to the point where I didn't want to leave home, and once I got to the race, I wasn't into it. If I wasn't going to give 100%, I'm not going to take their money. The working class hero, Doug Henry. It was definitely an emotional moment for me, just thinking to myself, that's it, you know, and it's, it's amazing the stuff that goes through your head in a short amount of time of the things that, you know, that I was going to miss. The daughter, Ron Machine. Until you really open your ears and you want to listen to what they're saying, it's like beating a dead horse, you know, and I know from personal experience, 
Did anybody ever sit me down? Of course they did. Everybody did. Go circuits, Mitch Payton. There's two ways to make the money. One is you can sign for money, or two, you can earn the money. I'm a high believer in earning the money. I think they ride better when they earn the money. Seven-time Jeremy McGrath. I was so mad, like so disappointed and so frustrated that I pulled pick and I left. Every point counts. I could kick myself to this day for not just riding around in tents. It's been no problem. My, my ego got in the way, you know? The O Show, Johnny O'Mara. Stuff that you could, you'd sit there if you didn't even want to ride and you just wanted to just look at it all day. I mean, I got a chance to test all that. I like that era I was in. I really do. Search Pulp MX in the iTunes store to enjoy these and over 800 great motocross podcasts. As the days and the months and the years go on.